Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, October 15th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Today, we talk Missouri and the SEC with beat writer Soichi Tirada. It's been a newsworthy week in the conference with COVID-19 outbreaks impacting games. The Tigers were supposed to play against Vanderbilt this weekend. That's not happening. It's one of two SEC games on Saturday to be scrapped. It looks like Alabama coach Nick Saban will miss this weekend's game against Georgia after contracting the virus. We also take a look back at Missouri's big victory over LSU last weekend and take a sneak peek at the basketball season with practices opening up across Division I this week. After a break, you'll hear a short interview I had with Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas and Sports Commission President Kathy Nelson. They were glowing after learning Kansas City had landed future NCAA championships in men's basketball, wrestling, and volleyball. So here we go, talking Missouri sports. Suichi Tirada covers the Missouri Tigers for the star, and as we're talking, if you hear uh, if you hear a keyboard in the background, that is Suichi writing about um, what's going on in the SEC this week, and a lot. Um, when it comes to the, the news of the pandemic, the COVID-19 world, it has affected Missouri directly because the Tigers were supposed to play Vanderbilt on Saturday in, Colum- right, in Columbia, right? That was a home game for yep. the Tigers. Mm-hmm. And that's not happening because of issues with, uh, with Vanderbilt's program. One of two SEC games that's not going to be played this weekend, LSU-Florida off because of uh, the uh, issues with uh, with COVID-19. And now we know that uh, Alabama coach Nick Saban uh, has contracted the virus and will not be on the sidelines for Alabama's big game against Georgia on Saturday. Have I covered it all, or is there, are, there, are there more COVID-19 issues in the SEC this week? <laughs> Blair, believe it or not, I believe you have not. Lane Kiffin actually said yesterday, reportedly, that uh, the Rebels are dealing with some COVID-19 issues. They they should be good to play. I think a third SEC game postponed within a week might be a little rough for the conference. But yeah, you covered pretty much all of it. Um, I was kind of preparing for a Commodores team that uh, wasn't looking too hot, and the zoo was looking at potentially stringing together a winning streak, and obviously that is no longer the case where I am now enjoying a bye week as will the rest of the Missouri Tigers. A drink was set on Tuesday that he will be recruiting throughout the week. So that should be that should be some fun. Maybe he'll go to the pumpkin patch uh, as the leaves turn a little golden colored here in Columbia. Um but yeah Blair, I mean the the you kind of summed it up in the sense that the conference has had to deal with a lot. And my impression actually through the first opening three weeks is that travel has kind of been a struggle. Drink was mentioned last week after the Tennessee game that you know, Mizzou had to essentially contact trace one positive, knocking out, you know, six players. And uh, that's, that's essentially what happened here. It, you know, with travel, that's just a difficult thing just because, one, with your travel party, those are pretty much only the guys who are going to play. Like, they, they're on the travel roster for a reason. And, and two, contact tracing. I mean, when, when you're sitting in on a plane and you try to socially distance on a plane, but... If, if somebody tests positive for COVID, then obviously contact tracing is an issue. So that's kind of the thing that I that kind of struck me, just especially, especially with Florida, just because reportedly some players had been exhibiting, you know, allergy COVID-like symptoms and they didn't report it. And they essentially decided to go and uh, on a road trip to Texas A&M last weekend. And the next thing you know, contact tracing wipes out a big part of Florida's team. So it, it seems like travel is, is one of, just one of those things where, yeah, sure, you're not playing in front of a packed home crowd opponent, but 
with contact tracing and the and what we know about COVID, that that's just one of the many barriers that you have to kind of travel. So um, I'm glad you I'm, I'm glad you summed it up though, just because there has just been so much, so so much going on in, on the SEC, and uh, hopefully there is more breaking news Thursday, Friday, and the conference can have somewhat of a normal weekend. Though there w- there will be uh, I'm assuming more postponements in our near future. So what what happens to the to the Mizzou Vandy game and L- LSU Florida? Yeah, so tentatively they are scheduled for December twelfth. So the SEC, luckily, unlike the NFL and their stringent, uh, their very strict schedule is that they essentially built in two open weeks throughout the season. And so the first one is more of a traditional mid mid season bye week where you can kind of you know lick your wounds a little bit, get healthy, especially with COVID and injuries now. And then you have the December 12th weekend, which is actually the week before the SEC championship game. So there is some flexibility there. And I say tentative just because we spoke to Jim Sterk on, uh, man, my days are kind of uh, jumbling together, but I believe it was Monday now. We spoke to Jim and he essentially said that December 19th is actually a weekend that the SEC considers as, as another potential open week if you're not playing for the conference championship. And so, you know, Mizzou Vanderbilt probably is not, you know, no offense to Mizzou fans or Vanderbilt fans, but that's probably not having any direct impact on ACC championship game. So we can probably see some, you know, some juggling. And I think I saw on Twitter some, you know, just logistical, hey, if we move, you know, Mizzou Vandy to this certain weekend, maybe we could squeeze in Mizzou Florida if, if Florida is in the SEC championship game. So that's, that's why everything is still tentative, just because we, we don't know what's going to happen. And obviously, Vanderbilt had his own COVID issues. Um, they played with 56 scholarship players against South Carolina last week. And obviously, the the minimum SEC scholarship player minimum is 53 players. So they were right up against that that um, kind of a threshold. And then after Sunday's round of testing, they essentially went under. And that's why we had such quick movement, just because they were, you know, to start off, they were so up against that threshold, and then they dipped under after just one round of testing. And obviously, the SEC goes through uh, three rounds of testing each each week. So, yeah, um, to answer your question, though, December 12th tentatively, but who knows if that changes just because you never know with COVID and, and what other teams are dealing with. Yeah, it's, it's like a news uh, story every day breaks with the with the SEC this week in terms of uh, the pandemic and rescheduling. It's just a... Uh, difficult time for for the league office for the schools and uh, you know we saw fans in the stands Missouri's had fans in the stands this mm-hmm. doesn't have to be teams really but just the, the the optics the image there are a lot of fans in the stands at the Florida Texas A&M game in College Station last week and was it Dan Mullen who said he wanted a packed stadium at the swamp for 90,000 strong <laughs> for LSU I mean um, not, uh, um, I don't, I don't know if he backed off that this week, but, uh, but probably not, not the, not the right sentiment, uh, to express these days when, when, you know, COVID is still spiking upward and, uh, but it is what it is, uh, <laughs> I've, which I've heard a lot. <laughs> well, um, Blair, the entire state of Florida is apparently allowing their, the fans into the stadiums, whether that. Or you know, or the Dolphins or the Jaguars. So that's kind of a. I, I know the NFL has kind of backed away from that, but I think that kind of shows you maybe that Florida uh, continues this uh, on brandness, I guess, as some people would, as Vahe would, Vahe texted yeah. me the other, the other day. <laughs> that's right. Well, so um, poor LSU, 
Corral Rashid, they've got two weeks to think about the uh, a tough loss in Colombia, but the Tigers have two weeks to think about what a great win uh, they had. And it really, really was a fantastic victory, uh, the first for Eli Drinkwitz in uh, uh, wearing the Missouri polo shirt. And, uh, and, and, and to cap it off the way they did with a goal line stand, and not just a you know, not not just a goal line stand. That's that's sometimes when you see teams execute those, um, you know, a penalties involved maybe pushes the team back five or fifteen yards or something. Unless you had four shots from the one mm-hmm. and did not get in the end zone, and that was just a. Um, you wrote a story about it where you broke it down with using film. I thought that was really interesting, um, but. What's the, what's the aftermath of, of the triumph, and what does it say about Mizzou and Drinkwitz and, and the path that they're on? Yeah, you know what, Blair? When we took when we spoke to Eli on Tuesday, I think he was just as impressed Saturday as he was, you know, Sunday, Monday, and then Tuesday on that goal line stand. And you know, it, it's funny because uh, now with no game, upcoming game on Saturday, I really broke down that LSU game a little bit more in my free time. Um, and, and Terrence Marshall, actually, who absolutely torched him as his secondary, 11 receptions for you know, a billion yards and three touchdowns. Um, he actually, you know, kind of did a goodbye gesture wave thing, uh, similar to Damian Lillard against OKC to uh, Mizzou cornerback Adam Sparks. And then uh, fortunately for Mizzou fans, they actually got the last laugh on that goal line stand. And yeah, you know, in breaking that down, I think the biggest thing was just that Mizzou really controlled the line of scrimmage against LSU. And I think that physicality aspect really shine you know at, at the last moment i mean they were able to, you know mizzou and lsu were had no problems throwing the ball through the air but it was only mizzou who was able to you know run the ball consistently all game and that was court courtesy larry roundtree and tyler Beatty. and lsu you know i i keep saying this but i just think it's shocking lsu had one rushing yard at halftime against the mizzou defensive front that was missing three of his four top defensive tackles because of COVID and injuries and then you consider that they were pretty awful against that Tennessee run attack uh, the, the Saturday before. So all of, all of these reasons kind of made it so that Mizzou should have been absolutely torched on the ground. And for, you know, LSU just couldn't get anything going through the run game. And I think that's just a sentiment of, of Mizzou being able to be more physically imposing on both sides of the ball. And I think it, it was kind of epitomized on that goal line stand just because LSU tried to run it a couple of times. It didn't work. Then, you know, you can go 479 total yards, but if you can't get that last one, then, then you lose the game, and that's what ended up happening. And that that was courtesy of Nick Bolton and Joshua Bledsoe, both making big plays. I think big picture-wise, this is – and and I, I don't want to tease – you know, I guess I'll tease my story that, that I have planning on going up tomorrow, but it, it really does kind of show the results um, that Eli Drinkwitz have, has kind of been, uh, you know, just, just – selling because it, it really has been hope the past few months in just terms of you know and Drinkless has done a great job off the field whether that was you know social justice issues recruiting gaining the team's trust he's done he's done all of that great but once it comes to football and, and Saturdays you really have to be able to pull out wins and I think pretty much everybody around the nation expected a 0-3 start with that gauntlet of a schedule between Bama Tennessee and LSU but the fact that Drinkwitz and Mizzou was able to pull out a win, you know, seemingly out of nowhere. Uh, and, and really, they looked like the better team Saturday. This wasn't the case of the underdog, the scrappy underdog getting three turnovers and, and really capitalizing on those. It was the complete other way around. I think Mizzou absolutely outplayed LSU. LSU was fortunate to get three turnovers. And, you know, credit to them for, you know, getting five fumbles or forcing five fumbles and recovering three of them. But this was Mizzou shooting itself in the foot over and over again, and they were resilient enough to pull off the win. So I think this this just points to 
uh, it's still early, but I think it, it points to maybe Jim Sterk uh, making a good hire. And everything we've heard off the field about this this guy, Eli Drinkwitz, has uh, kind of been uh, maybe solidified a little bit once the results start to come in. So I, I, I really, you know, I, I think I projected a 4-1 season. I'm, I'm not sure I want to budge off that too much just because I was maybe a little on the easier side. But four to five wins in his first year in his SEC schedule would be uh, incredible. And I think Mizzou is well on its way to doing so. And, and probably a bowl game um, if we, you know, if we have them, and you know, we'll we'll see what we'll see what uh, presents itself when when we get to December. But I think if Mizzou gets to that threshold, four or five wins, we're probably looking at postseason for for the Tigers. And just a couple of postscripts from the LSU game that I learned from reading your stuff. Um, LSU, I think one of 12 on third and fourth down conversions, which is terrific for the Tiger yep. defense and no points for LSU after the, uh, you know, late in the third quarter was their final touchdown. So when it, when it mattered the most, Missouri's defense, you know, stepped up. It doesn't look that way when you see the final score 45, 41, but uh, when it mattered the most, there were the, ti- the the Missouri Tigers playing its uh, its best ball of the afternoon. So, yeah, um, th- I just want to say, like I-, I wrote this too, but that defense, you know, it gave up forty one points, but context was really necessary, I think, in that. I mean, there were essentially twenty four points off turnovers where the defense got the ball in terrible field position. I mean, those three fumbles directly led to seventeen points, and then you add a fake. The fake punt didn't work, so LSU got the ball essentially at midfield, and they scored a few plays later. So that's that's twenty four points. I don't think you know. I don't think the defense is going to come out and say, "Yeah, you know, we played great because they still gave up those points, and there were still some you know issues with that." Uh, you know, Miles Brennan and Terrence Marshall looked really good out there, and the secondary, I think, I think got maybe um, a little humbled a bit just just through the air. But yeah, I mean. I think I gave them a C plus in the grades. Maybe it should have been a B minus. I was kind of debating between those two, but they played well. But I think they can play better. But you know, forty one points doesn't look great. But some once you put a little bit of context behind it, I think I think you walk away from that game if you're the defense feeling a lot better about it. And we spent all this time talking about the game and hasn't haven't mentioned Connor Bazelak. What a what a terrific <laughs> performance! I think he was was he SEC freshman was it freshman of the week or newcomer? I don't know what they call it. Uh, yeah, freshman of the week. Yep. Yeah. Um, what, what's the performance by him? Yeah, I mean, what 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 can what you know? Just where do you start with with the redshirt freshman in his second career start? You know, it's it's it really was pretty incredible his performance. I mean, throwing for four hundred six yards, four touchdowns. He looked very poised. Um, there were a few throws. I mean, that back shoulder throw to I believe Deontay Boo Smith um, was was incredible and. You know what, Blair? I think it's crazy. I mentioned the defensive tackles in COVID, but I haven't mentioned the wide receivers in COVID in, in the sense that they were missing their two, you know, starting wide receivers, Damon Hazelton and Kiki Chisholm. Those are the two grad transfers who were who essentially were going to be the guys on offense. And yeah, they've struggled bits and pieces in the first two games, but what that does to your game plan, you know, I'm, I'm sure Drinkwitz will say it doesn't do much, but you know, at the back of your mind when you're missing two two starters like that, it's actually it's absolutely going to affect things and. Connor Bazelak, I mean, he 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 did not miss a beat. Um, I think we saw a lot of creativity, and and <laughs> I actually texted her our Chiefs writer Herbie Tiope, uh for an assist because there was a shovel pass essentially to the tight end that was very very Andy Reid esque. So I texted him uh, the the play, and I was like, "Hey, do you remember this from a recent Chiefs game?" And he within like five minutes he texted me a Titans Chiefs game from last year about essentially the same play, similar to Travis Kelsey. Uh, 
and uh, Nico Hay was a Mizzou's recipient of the past. But yeah, I mean, we, we just saw a lot of creativity out of that offense. I think when you're talking, you know, <laughs> when, when, when we're speaking of football, yeah, you can be as innovative as possible. Um, but when I think we're talking Eli Drinkwitz and, and his play calling and his, uh, I guess, you know, offensive guru, and as you're, you're really going to talk about those cre- that, that creativeness, but also aggressiveness. And, and we really saw that, you know, fourth play was a fleet figure. The first play of the game, you know, was in a two quarterback set just to kind of confuse the LSU defense. So we saw a lot out of Eli Drinkwitz, but we also saw a lot of, you know, Connor Basilek and, and, and really what a performance. Um, Eli mentioned that Basilek was essentially getting the lion's share of second team reps um, throughout camp. And, and that really paid off just with the chemistry between guys like Toski, the Deontay Boo Smith, you know, Michael Wilson, former quarterback and those guys. And, and once you mix in a little Jalen Knox, Beatty and Roundtree, and next thing you know, you got 45 points up on the board against the reigning national champs. Not too shabby. Hey, let's, uh, Suichi, let's switch sports because men's basketball practice, well, I guess basketball practice for men and women, started this week officially. And uh, and I know Conzo Martin had a, a little, uh, was it a Zoom gathering on uh, mm-hmm. media gathering this week? And you, have, and, and you wrote that, um, that the Tigers have a, you know, maybe a little bit of an advantage this year when it comes to, um, you know, practicing and, and, and preparing for a season in this unusual, you know, circumstance. And that is about the entire team's coming back. <laughs> and that, that, that is quite an edge. Now it's the, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, a lot of experience and age from a team that went 15 and 16 last year, but they were playing better at the end of the season. And I, I, I do think that, that, that Mizzou uh, should be in better shape heading into the, you know, the 2021 season uh, than, than it was last year. So what, what were the, what were the high points that came out of media day with, uh, with Conzo Martin and the basketball team? Yeah. You know, Conzo made a great point um, in that you can be an experienced team and bring back a lot of juniors and seniors, but you actually have to be battle tested, you know? And I think he, he made a great point. Mizzou really is that kind of, hardened veteran team just because of what they've had to kind of go through the past couple of seasons under Martin in the sense of injuries, you know, and I, I, I really think that's a good parallel to COVID, not in the sense, obviously COVID is, uh, you know, has killed 200,000 people in this country and, and counting, but, you know, with injuries and COVID, you, you never really know when a player can go down out of the blue. And that's kind of what Mizzou has had to deal with. You know, Jeremiah Tillman went down, you know, right at the sort of SEC play last season and, Next thing you know, you don't have you, you don't have your offensive focal point, and obviously you, you had the Porter brothers and Conzo Martin's first two years at Mizzou. So, I, I, you know this this team, this Mizzou team, one it has a ton of depth, but two it knows how to just adjust on the fly if you're missing a guy for two weeks, you know, because of COVID. So I think that was a great point. Um, uh, you know, Blair, I'm a big subscriber of a college basketball player's best season being your senior season for a, a number of reasons, you know, whether that be you've been on campus for four years, it's kind of the comfort of, you know, going, going into it. Um, and, and knowing this is your final season though, obviously uh, the NCAA approved the blanket waiver for winter sports athletes. So this extremely old Mizzou team can be even older next year if they so choose. Uh, it's still, it's still too early for that. Um, but yeah, uh, we, we, you know, Mizzou fans might be seeing a whole another year of these guys. Once again, still too early. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm really curious how this team shakes out. Um, by all accounts, Jeremiah Tillman has been, you know, he's in better shape. He's kind of had this renewed mindset 
um, especially coming off of injury last year. And, and he's talked about that and just being a leader more. And he got guys like Drew Smith and Mark Smith and, and Xavier Pinson who really turned it down, you know, who really turned it on during the second half of the season. Now, there are a lot of narrative points that you can kind of point at and be like, this is kind of an interesting team. You know, who, who knows how good they will be? I think, you know, last year, my maybe a lot of frustrations with Mizzou fans was that Mizzou just didn't look great on the road. And I think a lot of it, honestly, was just the fact that they, they still were a relatively young team, even though they brought back a lot of returners. You know, when you only had one senior, Reed Nico, who, who obviously graduated, but you, the core of your team was still juniors. And, and that kind of had um, maybe its its own set of issues. And you were relying on an underclassman. Uh, down the stretch a lot and Xavier Pinson and I think there was kind of this struggle to finish games especially on the road and there were the, kind of these mental lapses for a few minutes you know five to ten minutes per you know my joke last year was Mizzou looked great for 30 minutes of the game but those 10 minutes was was really one they couldn't you know execute and they kind of lost in the game so I think with the with the senior-led team a lot of those issues hypothetically I guess uh, should go away and if they are able to take care of business in this very weird pandemic season I, I think you're, you're looking at competing for an NCAA tournament spot for you know the first time in a or for the second time in Conzo Martin's four four years. So uh, you know there, there there's a lot to be excited about. I think um, not including the border war, who which obviously will not unfortunately be happening this season. But I think there are some things to kind of you know keep in mind and keep and pay attention to this uh, this year for Mizzou basketball. Okay, and we'll get into it in a bigger way in in later shows as we approach the. Uh, the beginning of men's college basketball season. We're going to uh, we're going to leave this conversation with Suichi Tirana, but we're going to hear from Missouri coach Eli Drinkwitz here in a moment. Uh, I thought this was an interesting comment that he made after the game when pressed a little bit about what the sort of the trials and tribulations the program has gone through and what the victory over LSU meant to him and the program. And then we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to hear from uh, Kansas City Mayor Quentin Jackson and Kansas City Sports Commission President Kathy Nelson, who met the media yesterday and talked about the, uh, the city of Kansas City landing uh, future, future men's basketball regional final, Midwest regional final in 2023, the NCAA wrestling championships in 2024, the University of Missouri will be the host institution for that event. And then the NCAA Volleyball Championship in 2025. So a good day for Kansas City sports. And I got to talk with uh, with the mayor and uh, and the sports commission president about that. So, Suichi, great talking to you. Great catching up. And we will do it again soon. All right. Thanks, Blair. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. 
your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Can we talk about this as a shot in the arm for for both, both with both you guys? Just a shot in the arm for Kansas City over the you know we we, we haven't had anything announced a fight like this since you know since the Big Twelve tournament this year and just you know what a good day it is. Yeah, I mean, it shows a few things. One, there is this question of when do we get back to normal? And although maybe there's never a normal, we get to see what our rebound looks like. And we get to see that Kansas City will continue to excel. Um, This is not a time for Kansas City to take a step back. And I think what you're seeing from the interest from the NCAA, what you're seeing really from uh, broad-based sports and tourism interest, is that Kansas City is still well-positioned with our facilities, with our hotels, to be the sort of place that's welcoming folks well and safely as we get back to what the next phase of our country looks like. A little, little bit of a blessing that, you know, the first thing is 2023, right. not 2021. Yes, yes, yes. So. We have a couple championships in 21. We're hosting women's national bowling. Division 1, 2, 3 will be here. And we have men's regional golf. But not big attendance. So for us, absolutely, 2023 is a huge success. And then consecutive years. I didn't see that coming, so that was a big, big win. Right, so rattle off. 2023 uh, uh, regional final, Midwest regional final. Yeah, Midwest uh, regionals. And then a month later, NFL draft. Oh yeah, there's that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we've got that. Um, And then 24, we'll have wrestling in March, which would follow Big 12. And then 26 in December, we'll have volleyball. And then hopefully volleyball follows World Cup. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Um, and it, it also about the timing, airport, yep. uh, streetcar. Yep. I mean, it's almost like, all right, let's, let's, let's have this for this year. You know? It, you know, I think when you're looking at the way things are lining up, 2023 can be one of those amazing years that people talk about in Kansas City. And the way you hear them talk about 1976 and the Republican Convention, the way they talk about the NCAA Final Four in 1988, I, you know, I think when you look at the number of things going on, it's going to be hard to beat it. And hopefully, though, as Kathy notes, you know, 2026 gives us more excitement, more energy. I also want to note that I love the fact that in a region where we have outstanding college wrestling in, in these parts, outstanding college volleyball, outstanding college basketball, it's really great to, I think, be seen as a mecca for all of those events. And I expect it to be that way for years to come. Let's talk about wrestling for a second. Because... Uh, don't make me cry. We've worked on that so hard. That's right. I mean, yeah. I mean, basketball has been here for, for many years, and, and right. this will be the third volleyball, but only the second wrestling and the first one since 2003. And I know you guys have tried really hard to get wrestling Yeah, here. Yeah, the last two bid cycles, of course, we, we really want wrestling. We know we're a hub for that. We know it'll be successful here. You know, it comes with a massive fan fest where you can't get a ticket. Um, last time when we didn't get it, we were on the edge, which is exciting and frustrating. And then we're told, you know, your airport's not great. So that, you know, that shot in the arm of a new airport really helped pull us over, I think, this time. Yeah, we're going to have to get out of here. Good. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much. Good to see you always. Thank you, guys. I still want to give you credit. Nobody ever quotes me for this, but I still give her credit for all the AFC Championship games. Yeah. <laughs> the ones in the future, I just say, hey, she's got that, too. So, you know. 
Yeah, I'll let you That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Randy Mason, Beth Welch, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. The tip of the cap to Sawichi Tirada for stopping by and talking Mizzou sports. Links to his stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you, especially for those who want to deep dive into the Stars' terrific Chiefs coverage. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get that? Go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. That's KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? I know I do. Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage that comes with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. If you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, send me an email at bkirkoff at kcstar.com and we'll get you to the right place. Whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Friday with another episode.